Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. The eleven disciples travelled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near to them and he said these words, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. My intention this morning is to encourage you. Over in uh, Amford at nine o'clock, they have been encouraged by Connor, the local UCCF staff worker. Over in Llandabia at 11 o'clock, again, Connor is going to come and he's going to open God's word for the people who are gathered there. But it's my opportunity this morning to encourage you from God's word. And by that, I don't mean the sort of encouragement that we often see nowadays that sounds a lot like um, talking you up, puffing you up. Rather, the encouragement I want to give you this morning is the same encouragement these disciples had by having their gaze, their eyes, their hearts directed towards, pointed to and lifted up towards Jesus. In the Great Commission, You see Jesus. That is who they are stood before. That is who I imagine they kneel before when they worship him. Before he commissions them to go into the the far-flung corners of the world making disciples, he draws their attention to claims that he makes about himself. When these people gather to listen and to respond. Their gaze, if you like, their focus, their attention is filled with Jesus and his glory. This morning, I just want to encourage you by by helping us to consider who it was that they met. You see, Jesus, who is there, Jesus, who instructs, is the one who is kind. Our Bibles are littered with examples of Jesus's kindness to those around him. Sometimes we think of kindness just being nice and pleasant things that we do to one another. And even if we take that narrow definition of what kindness is, even though it is far broader, far far more wide-reaching than that, the Gospels are a record of Jesus's immense kindness, aren't they? Cast your minds back. Cast your minds back to when we were in Luke's gospel for the majority of last year and the people that Jesus met. Each and every story was a story of Jesus showing immense kindness. Stories of Jesus feeding those who were hungry, of Jesus healing those who were sick, of Jesus restoring those who have become captives to evil spirits and ways of life. Stories of Jesus embracing those on the margin of society, welcoming those back in who have first been cast out. Even stories of Jesus pointing the hypocrites, folks like the Pharisees, back to the truth 
and the life that is in him. Even that is a kindness, isn't it? The Gospels are full, full of examples to help us to see that Jesus truly is one who is kind. Jesus truly is one who acts for the benefit of everyone that he meets. And as we read those stories on numerous occasions, we saw and we highlighted the great cost that Jesus had to meet in order to be so kind. See, kindness doesn't very often come alone. It doesn't come for free. There were times, there were ways, there were means in which Jesus paid a very real price, time, of energy, of effort and emotions uh, and attention and affection. And so we find a Jesus who is not just kind, but one who is generous as well. When you think of generosity, who or what do you think of? Probably someone who is willing to spend freely for the sake of someone else. Someone who is willing to give away what is theirs for the benefit of those that they encounter. And again, those stories in the Gospels, our stories are a record that heaps time and time and time again of a Jesus who kindly and generously gives what he has to those who need it. One verse which leaps out of me is this, when Jesus speaks about his own very own life and he says, nobody takes my life away from me, but I lay it down freely. This morning when we speak about Jesus, I want you to have these two words in mind that he is kind and he is generous. No matter what your need is, no matter what your brokenness is, Jesus is one who is willing to and wants to spend himself to put that thing right, to fix what is broken and to fill what is empty. That's the Jesus who they come before. But more than anything, the Jesus that they come before, I think we could describe today as risen. Jesus was the risen one. That's literally the context of Matthew 28. You skip back to the beginning of the chapter, there's the empty tomb. Before Jesus meets them on the mountain, there is the resurrection. And really that teaches us two things in addition about Jesus. First of all, it means that he is one who died. If he is risen, then that means he is one who died. And we might ask the question, well, why did Jesus die? And lots of reasons can be given for Jesus' death. Some people will say it was a power play perpetrated by the religious establishment at the time. Others will say that Jesus died because of the cowardice of the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who was ruling and reigning at the time. Both those answers are correct in their own ways. But why did Jesus say that he would die? Well, he taught that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That kindness, that generosity that we've already considered culminate themselves in Jesus offering his very own life 
to help those of us who find ourselves in death. That brokenness, that emptiness, that failure and fragility, which we own, Jesus comes and says, instead of what you have tattered and, and dirty and destroyed, take what I have, my life, pure and spotless and right. Take what I have and receive it. That's what Jesus said was the purpose, the reasoning behind his death, that where we were hungry, we might feast on him the bread of life, that where we were thirsty, we might drink and quench from him the water of life, that where we were guilty, we might come to him and find forgiveness and cleansing and innocence, that where we were cast out, strangers to God, enemies of God in our thinking, we might find welcome and fellowship and adoption. Where we were dead in our sins, says the Apostle Paul, we might come to Christ and find in him life. That's why Jesus said that he came to die, because he was kind enough to see us in our need and to meet that need by spending every single drop of blood, every single breath that was left in his lungs for our good. But it doesn't just mean that he died, the fact that Jesus is risen, of course, it means more than that, it means that he has defeated death, that great last enemy of ours. In our world, we like to face problems and to overcome them, to find solutions to the obstacles that we meet. And there are scientists, there are um, businessmen, billionaires who are spending time and energy and money trying to defeat this enemy, this obstacle that we have of death. But let me tell you, when they saw Jesus on that mountain, that risen Jesus who was dead but now is alive, it showed them that death has been defeated. We sing it often, don't we, that death could not hold him. Such was the immensity, such was the vibrancy of the life which he had in him that he offered to, for us to have that death could not cover over it. No matter how big a stone they rolled over his tomb, it could not contain him. The power of God at work in that time and in that place meant the same Jesus who died for us, rose for us and defeated death for us. That doesn't mean that death isn't still a reality for us, that we don't weep that we don't mourn, that we don't grieve, it still exists, sadly, and it still leaves its mark. It still has its effects. But for those who are in Jesus, we do not fear it any longer. We don't fear it any longer because Jesus invites us to follow him through death into glorious, wonderful, eternal life. Can I encourage you this morning? that Jesus is kind, that Jesus is generous, that Jesus is willing to give even his own very life so that you might live, and that Jesus is risen, 
that Jesus has done what is necessary to defeat even death, that last great enemy, that we can truly not have hope in the fingers crossed sense, but hope in that certain sense that for those who know Jesus, those who trust in Jesus, those who follow after Jesus, death is neither the end, but there is life eternal to come. Oh, how great, how wonderful a Lord Jesus truly is. One who is worth coming to, one who is worth receiving from, and one who is worth going out as he commands to share.